0: My most famous proverb is where two or three of the Lord's people are gathered together. Sooner or later, there's a mess. And then the Lord in his mercy gave me this term, messiology, which is to show how he can so often work in messy situations.
1: He is well-loved for his honesty and realistic approach to life and ministry. We'll talk with George Verwer, the founder of Operation Mobilization, here on First Person. Welcome to this week's program. I'm Wayne Shepherd. George Verwer's message is one of messiology, that God does great things in the midst of the mess, and we'll talk to him about that and much more in just a moment. These first-person conversations are made possible through the generous support of the Far East Broadcasting Company, which for 70 years has been using the latest technology available to proclaim Christ to the world. Learn more about FEBC by visiting our website, firstpersoninterview.com. George Verwer founded the international movement known as Operation Mobilization over 60 years ago and was its international director for 46 years. He's still involved in the movement full-time and continues to travel the world on behalf of Christ and the gospel. Recently, on a speaking assignment at Wheaton College, I caught up with George just before he addressed the students in a chapel service. As we sat next to each
0: other on the couch, I asked him what it is that keeps him going. I think people are always looking for one-liner, but I think it's a lot of things. The fact that I know the Lord personally and experience communion with Him— And the reality of his Holy Spirit, even though for me to this day, there's a mystery factor in all that. Mm -hmm. But then on the human level, I think it's uh, the balance between things that drain you and things that refuel you. And I refuel very quickly. I've never had a traditional vacation because I try to bring a vacation sector into every day. Um, Music, a walk along a scenic place, uh, a latte at Starbucks, get criticized for that now because it costs so much. <laughs> um, so there's just a few of the things. And, of course, good health, which is a gift from yeah, the Lord. Yeah, it is a gift. And I think a sense of humor, which uh, is one of the things that's used in my ministry. And I was thinking that's just a gift from the Lord as well. I never planned, like, to be humorous. It just sort of comes. And a lot of my ministry is not that planned. It's, uh, it's a combination of things, so. mm. It's a mystery, a gift from the
1: Lord. And I have many friends who were in school with you at Moody Bible Institute, and they've told me about that verwer fervor at the time. But did it go back
0: prior to Moody? When, When did you come to know the Lord? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went back before I got to Moody because really the crisis was a Billy Graham meeting in New York City. I wasn't from a Christian family. We had Christian values in a small way, and I had good parents, if you measure parents on a human level. But Jesus was not in the equation, and it all changed through the prayers of a woman who heard about me. I'd broken into a house. The police had caught me. I was a stealing, but they had other ideas, and people were talking about me. So she put my name on her, what I call Holy Ghost hit list, and prayed not only that I'd become a Christian, but she prayed I'd become a missionary. And she never, never even spoke to me about it, and sent me a gospel of John through the post. That was a big factor. I was a reader. I was starting into a mild form of porno at that time. And then Billy Graham came for a one-night meeting with Jack Wurtz converted band leader, word Mm -hmm. of life guy. Mm -hmm. And that night in Madison Square Garden really set the fire. And I can say, honestly, the fire has always been there. In the first year or two, uh, there was a, a lot of struggles. I was a baby Christian. I don't think the fire in terms of in-depth spiritual reality was there, but the beginnings of it were there.
1: and um, You knew a change had happened in your yeah, life. Yeah, and I
0: had also, after a few weeks, reading a booklet, literature and radio ministry played a big role in my life. Donald Gray Barnhouse on the radio. Mm-hmm. And then I was one of the first ones to get ministry on records. In fact, I sold them door-to-door here in Wheaton but then my friend, I let him do it instead. Audio Bible Study was called. That's a long time ago. The first ministry ever to put on phonograph records.
1: Which were those uh, big-looking CDs of their day, right? Yeah. But vinyl, we
0: call them now, are oh, becoming yeah. popular It's again.
1: becoming very popular. It's outselling CDs, I hear, I in many places. <laughs> so what goes around comes around, huh? <laughs> well, I knew about uh, Billy Graham's influence on you. I
0: did not know about Jack Wertzen, though. He sponsored that rally and then later, I also heard him preach, especially dealing with lust, which was my one of my big struggles. So that was all a combination there in New York hmm. City. Two years later, when Billy came for the big campaign, I was then hiring buses from my church parking lot and started nights of prayer in my hometown. That was, that was a was radical change in your life then. Yeah, that was the beginning of this whole prayer movement, which are, which has been a vital part of our own movement, the prayer nights all over the world, prayer days. And that continues to this day. We're celebrating our 60th year since three of us went to Mexico. Mm. And that was from uh, Maryville College. Because of Mexico, because of this man I met at Maryville, Dale Rotan, who became like a mentor and friend.
1: Yeah, I've I met left. him here in town. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, he
0: graduated from Wheaton. He went to Wheaton, but he influenced me But I chose Moody because I wanted to be in the city. I didn't want to be in the suburbs like Maribel College because my passion wasn't firstly study; actually. It was evangelism. Hmm.
1: When did the vision for OM come into being?
0: It really evolved. And when I went to Mexico the second summer, and that was from Moody, I had to get new people. Dale was going to join Whitcliffe. I didn't expect to have much contact with him. And that famous story in our history, I came to Wheaton, and challenged Dale to forget the Wycliffe thing. They're dealing with small numbers, and to go to Turkey where there were 30 or 40 million, 70 million now. Mm. But our work was called Send the Light, and it was only through my fiasco uh, in Russia, being arrested by the KGB, in my plan to smuggle and distribute literature in the Soviet Union. I sent Dale to the Middle East. Let me just back up and say the original vision only included those countries, Uh not Western Europe. There was no ship, just... Afghanistan, Iraq, Muslim countries. Yeah. But it was through the 1040
1: that, window before we knew it, it was yeah, the 1040 exactly. window, right?
0: But through that failure, I spent a day of prayer in prayer in Austria, and that's when God gave the name Operation Mobilization. And the vision, mobilize Europeans and let them, they can drive to these countries. I was thinking we had airfares to get to Afghanistan, and pretty soon that was happening. The next summer, 200 joined. The next summer, 2000. And since then, and this is not an exaggeration, 200,000 have served with with OM. Well, of course. One woman prayed. Of course, Logos
1: Hope is a part of that as well, an important part of that today. Yeah.
0: That came a little later. After driving to India in those vehicles and always looking at the water, taking vehicles across the English Channel. I first went to Europe on the Queen Elizabeth. This vision came to me that, because we had a couple hundred vehicles by then, crisscrossing the whole Middle East all the way to India, I felt we need at least one ship and started the ship ministry in 1970, 71. And we've had four ships since then. And 45 million have been up the gangway and at least a hundred million have been given the gospel yeah, through the I, ship I ministry.
1: Urge our listeners to learn more about what's going on with Operation Mobilization. Why Europe? Why did you focus on drawing from Europe?
0: Well, I think it was just the God thing. I was very aware that there were, especially going to Moody and I, uh, that there were many American mission agencies. This is after the war. There was also quite a bit of paternalism in Europe. And as I studied Europe and realized they had a lot of good churches in Britain, and surely they must be a vital part of this vision for the Muslim countries in the Middle East. Just, again, it evolved in my thinking also seeing a English youth group in Vienna, I was giving out tracts, took so all day to give out a few thousand tracts. I thought if I could get that youth group to help, why well, we could do 10 times as much. That was the seed of this uh, word mobilization that had never been used other than a military term until God gave that to me that, that day in that prayer meeting. It's quite amazing and it's just the way God works, which We'll never fully understand till we're in heaven. Yeah.
1: Well, after World War II, of course, the mission thrust was coming in most people's eye, mind's eye, from from America, from North America, and here you're you're challenging Europe to uh, to mobilize. Yeah,
0: which was actually a mistake in our American thinking, and that God really used that because my research when I was now living in Europe realize just how many thousands of missionaries they had sent out through the years, especially Britain, Mm -hmm. and surely God wants that to continue. Mm -hmm. Naturally, the American thing will fit into it as well, but that was also the seed of us eventually going very global and realizing we need missionaries from everywhere to go to these Muslim cultures, Latin America, Africa, because these unreached nations uh, represent just so many people. Uh, and you know it's it's been uphill. We can't pretend you know pretend it's all been easy. We after 15 years we lost that first ship on some rocks in the Beagle Channel. It's still sitting on the rock, a big tourist attraction there for taking pictures. <laughs> uphill battle, but God gave the grace to keep climbing, keep yeah. climbing. Yeah. When you fall down, you get up.
1: Yeah. What were one or two of the other major challenges you faced along the way?
0: Well, people killed in road accidents. Four at one time coming back from India and I was the first person to the scene of the accident mm-hmm. but before that the two men I had turned the whole work over to in great britain when i went to india they were killed in a motor accident 50 years ago this past december those were huge shocks uh,
1: for me you feel great responsibility
0: yeah and um i'm an emotional person i'm a relational person so people who are close friends you know 26 years of age suddenly they're gone. Uh, one of my coworkers actually had a bit of a breakdown through that uh, hmm. crisis. I think the bigger heartbreaks is when people uh, are going on for Jesus, and then they t- they turn back.
1: They I, stumble or, yeah, or, or do a 180. Yeah, huh?
0: and you can't be involved in evangelism without being, having your heart broken. In fact, C.S. Lewis says you pretty well can't love anything, even a pet, without sooner or later having your heart broken. Hmm. So, Has your heart been broken? Yeah, a few thousand times, but I'm in a recovery program from the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now my best friend is, uh, Wheaton graduate, is, is very ill. Very ill. I visited him in hospital. Um, I just talked to his niece on the phone literally this morning. So uh, I believe with all my heart we have to learn how to embrace sadness. And again, a great Christian writer uh, helped me in his writings to learn how to embrace sadness even as part of our humanness, as part of life where they're always rather than always just seeing it, it as like the enemy. There's more
1: to this conversation with the founder of Operation Mobilization George Verwer coming up in just a moment. This is Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. The interview we're listening to reminds
0: me of the remarkable way that God uses those who follow Christ to do great things for Him. At FEBC, we broadcast in nearly 50 countries of the world, our staff always speaking in the local language, sharing the gospel, and teaching the Word to millions every day. If you'd like to know more about FEBC, please click on the FEBC banner at firstpersoninterview.com.
1: My guest is the founder of Operation Mobilization, George Verwer. There is a new DVD out uh, called George's Real that tells your life story in far greater detail than we can talk about here in a few minutes. I'm excited about that.
0: Yeah, the Christian Television Association of Great Britain, where our work is much more known than the States, they wanted to do this. Initially, I wasn't. Uh, very keen. I threw up a few obstacles, like I'm not putting any money into it, <laughs> and uh, that they just have to follow me around. I wouldn't follow a script. They just have to follow me, and then try to put it together. And we did 18 hours of filming. Some of it where you used to work, yes, in, uh, MBI the, Radio, Moody Bible Institute, right? And then when they put it all together, uh, that ended up one of the hubs. Huh. So the early in the film, you see Moody and you see me yeah. uh, on, in the station there. And then you start jumping around the world. Well, I admit I haven't seen
1: the whole thing yet. I will watch it now that you've given me a copy here to watch. But um, I did watch the trailer and I noticed the uh, studios in Chicago yeah. were prominently on display there. So
0: and this is available. We will have information about this on our website. Yeah, but also if people email me, I, I'd be thrilled to send it to them as, as a gift, senior citizen gift. Oh, well, that's very generous. And I generous. send it together with my new book, which Moody Press published, Gold Messiology. Well, that's very generous. We're giving Thank all you. the students uh, a copy here at Wheaton, and Moody Press is giving them a free copy when I speak to the Moody students on Friday. It must be quite so a So generosity book. is sort of <laughs> yeah. exploding. It's in the air, isn't it? <laughs> we'll put that uh,
1: information at the website, firstpersoninterview.com, here um, at the conclusion of our program today. Okay. Um, messiology. You're at the Wheaton, at Wheaton College now. We're on campus right now, and you're about to speak to uh, students in chapel once again yep. today. And
0: the message is based on messiology, this book? Well, that's one of the themes. Yeah, no, they, there's different messages each day. I'm privileged to have three days. This is their main missions conference. Most of the students are there. It's it's part of their curriculum, hmm. which is really a testimony in these days. That encourages you. So two, I got an audience of two thousand four hundred every morning, and the first morning the response was huge. We're giving them all free books and DVDs, so I'm looking forward to the next uh, two mornings. I've been taking this kind of meetings now for fifty-seven years, and the miracle is I'm still motivated and passionate about it, and I've talked to many students also. Individually, Messiology is my own word I invented based on my own proverb. I'm very much into the book of Proverbs. I talk about that in the book. And so now I'm writing my own. They won't get in the Bible. I don't know how to even apply for that. But uh, my most famous proverb is where two or three of the Lord's people are gathered together. Sooner or later, there's a mess. Well, I've been, <laughs> I've been spreading that for a couple of decades. And then the Lord in his mercy gave me this term, messiology, which is to show how he can so often work in messy situations. So it's not excusing the mess, and is an executive of leader of OM, 46 years,
1: Yeah, it's course, not your goal it, to create a mess, is
0: constantly it? Constantly uh, trying to solve the messes and avoid them. But it's just to look at history, not just your life, but look at history and see how God has worked in messy situations during slavery, during apartheid, during the Civil War with people... On both sides, praying to god, uh, and what can we can we even imagine the first war world war in Europe, which really changed the course of of Europe? yeah, we uh, still see God working in the midst of it, so that's the concept, and I give a lot of reasons for it in my new book i don 't just throw it out, so it's a book that appeals to people's thinking, we hope also to their emotion to rethink, uh, including how they evaluate ministries they don't like, ministries they think are all wrong, churches they think don't have it doctrinally straight. Well, I've been looking at that for 60 years. It doesn't seem to hinder God off no, no, And in fact, some of the greatest works of God have been through men that later on we realized they didn't really have their life totally sorted mm-hmm. out. And some churches I've, would have
1: thrown them out. Yep, some names come to mind immediately. What are some of the messes we're in today that maybe we haven't fully... You know, Well, I think from this right is now.
0: the messiest time I can I can remember in our history since since the war, maybe since Vietnam. In what way? Just the political mess, and and then there's also a greater variety of theological winds blowing around. In missions, we have some of the greatest controversies yet. Books written against people who are using a certain style of reaching Muslims. So the mess factor has increased. That's why I'm saying I'm telling people messiology it should be required reading. Because it can really encourage you. It's a book uh, of encouragement. And people, I just had people tell me it's completely changed their life hmm. because they were so discouraged. And a lady came up to me here a couple of days ago. I guess I was preaching in New Jersey. She just gave me a big hug. She said, I was just totally depressed. I'm an older person. How can God use me until I saw your film? <laughs> and that just transformed her life. That's why I do everything I can. I use my own, a lot of my own money. I don't have much to uh, give away these films and give away these books because I'm getting the feedback, uh, hundreds and hundreds of emails and letters of of the impact being made. The result is more loving, more big-hearted, more forgiving, more relaxed, more God-focused. I mean, these are serious uh, challenges. So
1: you see, rather than than looking at them as messes, you see them as opportunities for God to work.
0: Yeah, and and just— being real, this is the way the world is. It's always been this way since Cain killed Abel and yeah. Adam and Eve blew it. and uh, They represented us. So doesn't mean we don't try to be salt and light in the society. It doesn't mean we don't try to make changes. This morning I'll be speaking from the Good Samaritan, seven people laying by the side of the road. It's all about social action concerning AIDS, concerning sex trafficking, concerning the global water crisis, so those of us who believe in messiology, we are just as committed as ever to avoid mess, to unmess the mess. It's grace that can unmess the mess. Yeah. I think that's not an original statement. It seems like one of the divides in messiology today is this social
1: action versus gospel proclamation. Where do you come down on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, OM completely changed 50 years ago. It has to be both. It doesn't mean you try to copy another organization like, say, World Vision if you have a distinctive ministry like a radio ministry, you and it especially if it doesn't involve you know thousands of people like OM, mm-hmm. so that we have just such a variety of things. If you have a more narrow calling, but there are ways that when this becomes a, theolo- a theological change in your thinking, that your heart will get into it and it will come out in your broadcast, just as it's coming out right now. Mm-hmm. Do you think this would have come out 15 years ago? <laughs> I don't think so. No, and so you and I. Uh, both, and I'm especially still committed to mass evangelism and many other things, and you're involved in radio and I'm sure other things, but we've got this as part of our DNA. We're always thinking about the suffering and the poor. Yeah. And it cannot be and, and ignored. so we're seeing a right. huge change in the body of Christ. A bigger percentage of missions and really cutting edge movements are embracing this with all of its complexity. But it goes hand in
1: hand with the gospel proclamation.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it, people say it can't be done, but it's different groups and, and individuals have been doing it for years. What about medical missions isn't new. <laughs> medical missions is incredibly old and shows key factor in it's bringing people example. to Jesus. Yes, right. Yeah.
1: All right. So you're speaking to students at Wheaton College now as we speak, uh, and you've been speaking to college students for generations. Uh, what anything change in your methodology not your message per se but methodology or, or or perception of how they're responding to you
0: yeah i mean i think it's tougher today we're living in a different world and kids are on over uh, information overload pouring even through their telephones the struggle with pornography this generation is 10 times greater than my generation and then the 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 tremendous financial pressure to live on this this level of living that so many people live on in the United States, to get there is getting tougher, and so for people to choose career missions that that is going down. Short term is going up. Only God can measure because there's a whole new wave. And Andrew Scott wrote a book about it called Scatter. Yeah, we've in talked which about it. People here. Mm-hmm. are taking their skills. And going to a field, many of those people will never be registered as missionaries, but they're ambassadors of Jesus. Yeah. So you're encouraged by this generation? Yeah, because also it's gone global. So the number of actual missionaries on the field is greater than ever before in the history of the world. We cannot think American. You you can't count them the way we used to count them. Yeah. And we we think way too American. We're becoming more tribal as a nation. And, you know, I'm 100% American But we we need to think globally. We need to think Jesus. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he gives a story of the Good Samaritan. You'll have to come and listen to me this morning. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Well, I
1: know now what keeps you going. Um, Congratulations uh, for just uh, the life that God has given you and uh, that you're faithfully following him. It's amazing to, to watch you work, George.
0: Well, the best part of the film, by the way, is how I met my wife at movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So okay. they need to watch that, and we're we just about celebrated fifty-seven years of marriage. And marriage is God's Ph.D. program for holiness, and people need to go into it with great commitment. It's not just an emotion and and an important part of our life as human beings, but I believe it has to be tied together with total, radical commitment to the Lord and to His Word and to His vision.
1: George Verwer, his generous offer of sending anyone a copy of his largely biographical book, Messiology, and a copy of the DVD, George for Real, is true. I've now seen the DVD myself and enjoyed hearing George's heart for the ministry God has equipped him to serve all these years. As he said today, all you need to do to request the book and DVD is send him an email, and you'll find his email address at firstpersoninterview.com. Copy the address from the webpage and use it to email George. FirstPersonInterview.com These weekly interviews are made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company which shares George's passion for declaring the gospel. Millions are touched by FEBC's broadcasts. Learn more at FirstPersonInterview.com Now with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard inviting you to join us next time for First Person.